Welcome to this episode of the Ghost Stories podcast. And I must tell you before we kick off, I am nothing but impressed here. You know, I get to really write freely in uh, Ghost Mail. It's a great privilege of mine. And I'm often critical of deals that I see in the market. Sometimes I have question marks about the price or the strategy or whatever the case may be. And not every listed company behaves the way you think they would. I must say absolute credit to African Bank here. They reached out uh, based on what I wrote about the SASFIN transaction and we're immediately keen to engage, keen to come on, do a podcast with me, explain the strategy. So um, Kennedy Bungani, CEO of African Bank, just a very personal thank you for honestly just engaging with investors and the media the way it should be. Genuinely, you know, it, it should be how it works everywhere, but it's not. So thank you. And I'm very, very excited to have you on the show. Very keen to tap into the strategy of African Bank. And in the interest of disclosure, this podcast is brought to you by African Bank. So this is a paid for podcast to get the story out there, to talk about the strategy and to talk about the deal. So Kennedy, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much. We couldn't pass a moment, an opportunity to speak to a ghost. <laughs> um, I'll call you Casper the Ghost for this session. No, we'll go with it. We'll go with it. You can, you can call me whatever you like for the sake of this engagement. I'm more than happy with that. This story has received just over 30 uh, press releases. Yours was the only one critical of uh, aspects of it. And uh, we thought it was a great opportunity to engage and uh, hopefully uh, put our side of the story out there and spread financial information in this market. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, I, I find it super interesting. I mean, obviously, my background is very much in deal making and I've spent a bit of time in banking. So I guess when I read these transactions, I can't do it without looking at the valuation. I think unfortunately a lot of South African media houses kind of don't understand how that works. And I'm very keen to unpack this deal with you because I have no doubt that a lot of smart people looked at why you've done what you've done. And that's what we want to understand today. So I don't want to spend a lot of time on the backstory, but I think people do need to understand a little bit about African Bank today and uh, the environment in which you operate, the structure under which you operate. You know, I had a look on your website earlier. So African Bank traces its roots all the way back to 1975. Very interesting. The curatorship was 2014. I mean, that's almost 10 years ago. Um, obviously, a very, very dark time for the business. And the new bank then emerged in basically 2016 from what I saw on the website. So, you know, it's been a good few years since then. I guess in your own words, I just wanted to spend a couple of minutes just understanding, you know, what has the journey been since then in this African bank story? Thank you for that uh, uh, chance. In fact, the story starts in uh, 1964. As you'd recall, uh, 1964 was easily one of the darkest hours of our history. Um, just after the Rivonia trialists were sent to Robben Island, the political organizations burned the height of, um, of apartheid. Entrepreneurs from all over this country were summoned to meet at the Orlando Community Hall in Soweto to try and address two national imperatives. Now, think about what I've just uh, outlined as the context and briefly the background of 1964. On the winter of that 1964, these entrepreneurs uh, were delegates, 67 of them, gathered to do two things. One, agree a formation of a national federated chamber of commerce, got to be known as NAFCOC, and immediately decided they needed to establish a bank, a bank that would be uh, a bank that supports entrepreneurs in this country of all races, creeds, backgrounds, um, a bank that would be a bank for the people um, that would help uh, these entrepreneurs in the periphery of the mainstream of the economy to get a banking partner to enable them to 
grow and, uh, and support their communities and ensure financial inclusion. That was the dream that um, uh, manifested in 1975 with the issuance of the banking license. Um, in fact, this is a funny story. The week that I was born is the same week that uh, Dr. Samuel Sonyane was finally given the banking license uh, to start African Bank. And the headline news were the birth of a black bank. So, so, so what happened in 1975... That's amazing. A, <laughs> written in the stars. Yeah, eh? written in the stars indeed. was a culmination of this uh, audacious vision by these entrepreneurs who, in the, with the odds stuck against them, believed that there needed to be a bank for the people, by the people, serving the underserved. So African Bank, as we say it here, is really a, an idea that refuses to die after the 95 curatorship, after the 2014 curatorship, because it is more than just an idea. In fact, it is more than a bank. It is a mission that surfaces, that expresses itself as a, as a bank. And, and that's what uh, we obsess about today. This idea of uh, going back to our roots beyond the curatorships, beyond our lowest lows, and, um, and tap from that um, audacious vision of creating a financial services partner in this market that uh, would bank the underserved, bank the underbanked. Uh, we are now that generation of leaders at African Bank uh, bequeathed with that task and uh, we're quite chaffed by it. Uh, of course, the most recent history uh, means that we are very grateful for the um, you know, realization of curatorship in 2014 that has given us uh, a chance to craft this uh, uh, strategy, this roadmap of creating a customer-centric, data and digitally enabled, diversified business that has got scale, that is sustainable, and will have a compelling uh, proposition for investors going forward. Uh, it's something we call internally the Accelerate 25 strategy. Fantastic. Look, you've answered the next question I had, which was what role does African Bank play in the banking ecosystem? And I think the history is the key to understanding that. You know, it's, it's very much focused on the unbanked, the underserved, people who have historically been financially excluded, people to whom, you know, access to debt can, can actually be the difference in a situation between a very bad outcome and a manageable outcome. And I think a lot of South Africans underappreciate what the reality is on the ground for many, many, many South Africans. Casper the Ghost, you've hit it on the nail, man when uh, it was uh, near impossible for ordinary folks to access credit you know for that extra room um, uh, for an expanding family or for that deposit to send the school to a, a, a kid to varsity african bank was there with unsecured lending to assist our people we are now expanding that because uh, remember the three key words in our Accelerate 25 strategy are diversification, scale, and sustainability. Um, we, we, we are excited that uh, over the last three years we've been able to build from um, the strong and secured lending uh, capability in consumer markets um, to strengthen the core of our consumer banking offering, but also expand it uh, via alliance partnerships, but also going into new markets, new customers in business banking. You will be humbled to hear, uh, as I was on the 6th of October 2022, when I got that letter from regulators saying we have met all uh, conditions precedent to acquire Green Road Bank and U Bank. 
I, I actually called Dr. Samutsonyane, who was 96 at the time, to say, Dr. Mutsonyane, um, the founding chairman of this bank, I'm delighted to say to you, for the first time in almost three decades, your bank is back at banking entrepreneurs. Through Greenroad Bank, we'll be able to move beyond consumer banking to bank entrepreneurs, the very people that founded this bank, that you wanted uh, a bank that would obsess about them. Um, uh, and then and, and, and this 96-year-old chap was actually quite uh, chaffed with this milestone because we're returning to our roots in business banking. And Casper the Ghost, if you love South Africa, as I know you do, uh, you'll recall that one of the things that um, are a huge disadvantage for us compared to other uh, successful emerging markets is our lack of um, innovation in terms of financial services partnering with SMEs. It is SMEs that are the blood uh, line of growing emerging markets, tackling unemployment, tackling poverty, tackling inequality. And we are the bank founded by those same entrepreneurs and we obsess about them. The acquisitions we've made are part of this expansion into that vision. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, uh, you'll find that uh, what we've done both with Greenroad Bank and with Sasfin, uh, actually brings about scale and brings about diversification in positioning ourselves as that go-to partner for entrepreneurs in this country. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I mean, I do love SMEs. It's a, almost a whole topic for another day, my love of SMEs, along with my love of South Africa, actually. So I like that reference. I think it's a great story that you were able to kind of deliver that vision of banking entrepreneurs you know, within his lifetime. I think that's fantastic. Well done. I think something I want to dig into around the product suite, you know, before we get into the very exciting stuff. So obviously African Bank, at the time things went very wrong, was purely focused on unsecured credit. You know, the, the story is, is well known in terms of what happened and under provisioning and blah, blah, blah. We don't need to get into that. We're talking about the future today. But I think what would be interesting is to understand, you know, what does the business do today differently in its unsecured lending operations to what used to happen when things went wrong. Is it just a case of accounting for it properly now? Or is there an entire culture within the group that has changed in terms of how it's managed? It's the entire direction of travel that has changed. And of course, the entire culture as well. And this is how it's happened. So we, we when I joined in April 2021, we had uh, just over 1.1 million um, customers that did one thing and one thing only with us, unsecured lending. And, and these uh, were consumers. And what we, we set out to do, and we're quite deliberate in this. I had a three-month period of consulting with uh, every one of our external stakeholders, but more importantly, our people at African Bank. Uh, I have over 841 uh, messages from each one of them, uh, every branch, everywhere in the country, uh, that said, this is what you need to uh, do more of, this is what you need to stop, this is what you need to prioritize if we are going to succeed in accelerating this build-up of a customer-centric, data and digitally enabled, diversified business going forward. Um, and, and part of those nuggets is what is um, uh, our North Star today in Accelerate 25. We, we were quite quick in saying we will build on these 1.1 million customers. Uh, they love us, they understand us, uh, they've benefited uh, for us, but we also know that they need transactional capability. 
And so we've rolled out a MyWorld uh, transactional banking account, which is, is, is quite a winner. Uh, it's uh, based on an omni-channel. Uh, you're able to have over five savings pockets. So you, one account, you can, you know, have your buddies, your kids, your friends uh, in there, uh, benefiting from you being a, a transactional account holder with us. It is cost-effective. It is well-priced, but it enables us to walk the journey of financial transactions with you. Because nobody wakes up every any day to do banking. People wake up every day to do life. It's just that in the exercise of life, there are financial transactions. Now, we want to be part of every one of those. We've grown from near zero uh, transactional banking and therefore uh, almost uh, no NIR to uh, what we report. We're reporting in the next few uh, weeks, so I should be careful we're in a closed period. But at half year, at least, we reported over 50% of our NIR uh, covering our total expenses. That is from a point of zero. Uh, from a point of zero in terms of uh, retail funding, uh, we've raised over a billion rands uh, from those customers that used to just take an unsecured loan with us, they now actually leave part of their money with us. This is growing a full franchise of a sustainable bank using where we've started with these customers. We have, of course, grown these customers, uh, as I've said, quite organically. Uh, we moved from 1.1 to just over 1.9 million at our last report, but also through expanding the core with partnerships. You might have noted that MTN South Africa chose us to be their go-to um, mobile money partner. That added uh, 1.1 million customers. Um, Lesaka um, uh, chose us again to be their social grants partner. That added another 1.2 million customers. And and uh, we are a ShopRite Checkers' partner as well. And so in a short space of time, we've grown from about 1.1 million customers to just over 4 million, but we've also grown the product suites that we present to these customers beyond just unsecured lending. What this does is that it de-risks our balance sheet, particularly after a year that we've just had of a huge uh, interest rate hike and uh, hyperinflation in food and transport that affects uh, consumer disposable income. So it, it de-risks us, uh, it diversifies our revenues uh, with uh, much more qualitative revenues such as NIR. You know how uh, difficult NII can be in times such as this. And it's uh, given us the wherewithal to add more. So we'll be announcing our enhanced funeral offering, we'll be announcing uh, more insurance uh, offering uh, for that customer base in consumer. That is just in consumer banking. Um, the fundamentals of our direction of travel have changed. It has meant the entire um, culture of uh, the organization changes. And so we've gone through a retraining, retooling of our people with respect to uh, cross-selling, upselling, and uh, to make sure um, that um, we can support our customers in this. The business banking element, which is new, is also just exciting. We acquired the middle of the um, uh, business banking pyramid uh, business in Green Road Bank, 
very good with commercial property, very good in industrial, particularly in KZN and pockets of Gauteng. And we promised that um, what they've gotten so right in over 25 years, we would back with our balance sheet, with our surplus liquidity and capital. We've done that. And uh, in supporting that franchise which they have, we were uh, alerted very quickly that um, there are product suites such as trade finance, we're not quite there yet, such as uh, uh, capital equipment financing, that these uh, medium enterprises, these commercial customers need to grow, and thus we've gone to, to buy some of these capabilities uh, from SESFIN as per the topic of the day. Uh, what we're doing there is exactly what we've done in consumer banking, ensuring that uh, we bring scale in our offering to our existing customers and, and diversification of our revenues, de-risking our balance sheet, but more importantly, ensuring that um, we really are their total, their partner right through the total equation of their financial transacting uh, a wallet. So Kennedy, something I just want to touch on from everything you said there, just for listeners who may not be familiar with the terms, stuff like NIR, you know, that's non-interest revenue, very, very important for driving return on equity in a banking group. The importance of attracting retail deposits. I know that part of when African Bank went wrong was very, very dependent on wholesale funding, which means paper issued to the other banks. And that's part of why African Bank was actually a systemic risk was less so the retail deposits, it was more the wholesale funding situation, which is why you've ended up with a whole consortium of banks as your shareholders, something maybe we'll have time to touch on later, we'll see. But what you're doing now is right. And I think, you know, I'm sure you won't mind me mentioning a competitor like Capitec, you know, that's very much the strategy they followed is to build the transactional banking side of the business. It just creates a way more sustainable bank. And it sounds like that's the approach you're going with. And I think that's spot on. Nice mention of partners there. And it's a very competitive space. You know, you really are up against so many new banks coming in. I mean, Time Bank has grown pretty well. Old Mutual is coming to market at some point. You know, Discovery came to market, albeit a very different segment of the market. But there's lots of companies trying to get their hands on the banking pie all the time. And it seems like the strategy you're following makes a lot of sense. You know, it's kind of building as you go. I think let's get into the Sassfin deal because that was the whole reason for our conversation today. And strategically, I think the types of businesses you're buying, I mean, it makes sense, right? You need to scale, you need to be able to offer more things to your customers, especially as you target entrepreneurs and SMEs, they need a variety of services um, in order to be taken like really seriously. The one thing that stuck out to me, and this is really all I was critical of actually, was just the valuation and what you've paid for the businesses. Now, Sassfin, you know, you don't need to comment on this. I'm just going to say it. And it's a fact. They are underperformance. You know, these businesses are low return on equity. There's a reason Sassfin trades at a, at a discount to book. Sassfin's share price rallied like crazy on the day of the transaction because it trades at such a discount to book. And you've bought these things from the announcement. It almost looks like you've paid a little bit of a premium to book. And maybe the devil's in the detail there. But I guess just understanding from your perspective, you know, to go in there and buy these businesses that are underperforming on a return on equity level, what can you do differently with them? Is this just a classic strategic acquisition where, you know, it's to get that foot in the door and to then run with the thing, which is very different to how a financial buyer thinks about the world. So I'm going to open the floor to you to just walk the listeners through the pricing and thinking behind that deal. So, so thank you very much for that. And, and, and maybe to, to start with a bit of context, uh, um, you and I have a bit of a similar background. Um, in my um, over two and a half decades in banking, I spent 16 
of those in uh, in investment banking, where, as you'd recall, I um, ended up running the corporate and investment bank, um, at the time the largest in South Africa, Standard Bank South Africa's uh, CIB. And so one, you know, has picked up a thing or two in, uh, in M&A. And, and I've got five simple rules about m and I mean, uh, acquisitive growth might look um, uh, attractive, but it's it's really dangerous game. Harvard Business Review did a study not so long ago that 67% of uh, corporate acquisitions and M&As actually fail, and they fail at a point of integration. And so we've got a, a five simple rule here. Uh, we don't acquire anything that is not on strategy. I'm glad that um, you, you've immediately picked up that uh, this acquisition is on strategy. Uh, it speaks to diversification, it brings us scale, and um, uh, it de-risks our balance sheet and makes us more sustainable. Uh, so it must be on strategy. Secondly, it must be commercially accretive. You don't buy a business and pay up for it without a very clear sense of how you're going to make your money back and more within a very clear uh, period of time which uh, uh, we've had to commit to our shareholders. So it must be commercially accretive. Thirdly, you must be able to execute it because um, execution can be a risk that is too difficult to, 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 to price. Uh, fourthly, it must be you must have a cultural fit. You must have a way in which you can integrate without breaking anything. Um, um, cultural fit is a key ingredient to integration, and as I've said, integration is um, at least um, two thirds killer of most M- corporate M&A. And lastly, it must bring about longevity in terms of uh, of your existing commercial em- enterprise. Our acquisition of these uh, uh, Sasfin uh, books uh, ticks all of those boxes. And I'm going to delve on commercial accretion here because that's what um, you've, uh, you've problematized. And, and, and maybe just before I say this, I mean, you, you made a good point in your article to reference uh, previous acquisitions at African Bank. Um, let me do that as well. Um, in, the, in the last three years, we've acquired uh, two institutions. We've acquired Green Road Bank. Um, for 1.5 billion rent, uh, what is not uh, generally known is that 400 million of that 1.5 is a warranty back to sellers for a number of risks that we need to get our heads around. Secondly, that um, as I reported in our half years, we already reported a negative goodwill of 270 million from that price. So we've already uh, taken value through the income statement with that acquisition. First year. Um, um, you go through everybody else that has bought uh, business banking, business uh, banks uh, in this market. You've cited some names a few minutes ago and check when they started reporting any value. It took them way, way longer than, than six months. Uh, secondly, in Ubank, when I bought uh, the Ubank businesses, they had made um, losses for over two years, and thus the problems they had with their capital buffers. We've turned it around uh, at half year. We reported that it's in the black, and in fact, um, you'll see our results uh, in November, um, just how much value we've um, already accrued coming from that acquisition. So we do have a track record of commercially sound, accretive uh, businesses, and the SESFIN transaction is no different. But think of the assessment transaction in three, in three boxes, if you will. Okay? The first box. 
So the headline is uh, African Bank pays 3.29 billion rands for African Bank. Is that true? Yes. But how do you think about it? Well, you think about it in three boxes. The first box is that um, the commercial equipment finance book, okay, is a book that is actually my most attractive uh, that I went to inquire from Sussvin. A few months ago, looking at Sussvin, looking at our business, and looking at how we can scale up our business banking, it was clear that um, we needed a bit of um, uh, strengthening of our commercial property book. When looked around and who's got the commercial property, that book that looks like us, that we would like to take off their hands. We've got capital sub, uh, uh, liquidity, we've got uh, uh, surplus uh, uh, capital. It's tough markets for new origination. Uh, you want customers with a proven track record. Uh, most of these customers are actually our customers as well at Green Road Bank, but we couldn't back them when uh, we didn't have capital. And you wanted some of, um, of that loan off the hands of somebody else, uh, like a Sesvin. Um, and, and so we approached them and we said, look, are these customers, these are the customers we know well. Many of them we actually are syndicated with you uh, in commercial property. We know their performance. For us, with our capital charge, actually this is the ROE we have on them. You can see how you, you're reporting uh, because of you know, your own situation, but um, here's 800 million rands of those loans. We want to extend it to those commercial property owners so that you can have your 800 million back. So that is the first box. Just circa 800 million buying that commercial property book from Sesfin. And, and to, 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 to slow it down even further, it is 800 million given to the property owners of existing loans so that Sesfin can have that 800 or so million back on their balance sheet for other things. So, so we then get the customer in commercial property uh, to come with us and 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 that is the first bucket of that 800 million the other one was even much more interesting because in equipment finance what Sasfin had done successfully over the last few decades which i must confess you know having been in the banks that i've been in it was difficult to replicate uh, what they did in equipment financing uh, it's a niche that they've carved exceptionally well well uh, we knew that we had to play in there. To buy, to build this business would have cost us a bit more. And we said, here's 2.29 billion rands. Just shy of 2.3 billion. We want, I mean, it's almost a thousand of these customers. We want that book of customers. We want that 2.29 billion rands to go to them for their equipment. A lot of it, uh, it's term is, uh, is about uh, 30 to 40 months still. Um, we want it in our book. It will perform a lot better with our cost of equity. Uh, but more importantly, we want to build a franchise in here. So, so, so the 2.29 billion is another box to think of to get that uh, commercial equipment property book onto our side. The real money, Caspar the Ghost, that I really paid Sesfin proper is circa around 100 million. Because the, the 800 million and the 12.29 billion is actually to buy the books. It is, and, 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 and as you'd have seen with our binding heads of agreement, I was very clear 
that it is 2.29 billion, it is 800 million minus our calculation of IFRS 9 uh, provisions for our pump. However, you might have provisioned for them, that's great, but we're going to need a provision that suits us, and the gross amounts will have to be minus what we will take them on in terms of uh, IFRS 9 provisioning. Those are the big amounts. The real amount that is a discussion topic here is actually 100 million. That is the goodwill amount I've paid. Now, why did I pay a goodwill amount? Well, I paid goodwill amount for three things. One, mostly in commercial equipment property. I needed to get the team that runs with that business to come across. They are a team that manages these customers, know these customers. They are part of the franchise and I need them to come across. Two, I needed their IP. I needed their manuals, their post protocols, their processes. I needed all of that to come across. Yeah. Three, I needed the IT systems that support them to also come across. So we've got about 31 or so of these guys and commercial uh, uh, equipment property that will be welcome as part of the group. They move with this IP, with this IT, uh, to come and help us build this uh, new capability and franchise. And also uh, to ensure that uh, part of our plan of value extraction which is to go beyond equity, or rather equipment financing, into a burden, in burden our business transactional activity. We are excited about this offering. It's new uh, for Green Road Bank uh, to embed uh, the full strength of our capabilities and therefore uh, grow our return on equity uh, over that book uh, quite exponentially because we can back ourselves with them. They are, are coming on board to ensure that um, uh, we can achieve all of that. There's about five or so um, that would come for with the commercial property book. Uh, commercial property is something we do very well, but there are some of these customers which we need to cover better by um, uh, uh, strengthening the core. So, so, so that is what constitute the 3.26, uh, 3.29 billion amount. Um, pre uh, our provisioning that we've paid for. Have we paid a premium? I don't believe so. Have we paid good money? Yes, we have. Is it a good deal for African Bank? Most definitely. Is it a good deal for Sesfin? Yes, you've seen it with the share price. And the share price uh, doesn't mean uh, they got a better bargain than us. It means uh, this deal was good for them. It solves other things uh, for Sesfin. Um, uh, and I promise you, if I was listed, you'd see how appreciative our shareholders are for what this does for our franchise at this side. Thank you. That's a really, really interesting answer. So I think from my side, I'll definitely be keeping an eye on you know, the cost of funding at African Bank is like the crux of the story. So, and it is for any bank. You know, if you can get your cost of funding down, you can lend money, get a better margin, get a better return on equity. Like, that's the maths. And I think that's part of where Sasfin has struggled. And, you know, you're right. The share price performance at Sasfin was, was because the market was valuing it at such a discount to book. So that's the reality, unfortunately, when you build a bank that underperforms is, you know, if you dig down to each loan, yes, someone might owe you a million rand. And that's true. And it's probably recoverable. But the market looks as a whole and says, by the time head office costs and everything else and cost of funding and blah, 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 I really only value that then at, you know, 400,000 Rand, not a million. But if you do a deal at book level, you often have to pay the book price or a slight premium or a slight discount. 
And I think it's good to have worked through that with you. And the proof is going to be in the execution, right? It's going to come down to getting that cost of equity strategy right so that this book, you know, emerges as a butterfly, really, um, where you've gone and bought this thing, uh, you know, where you can actually get the right returns from it. Last question, because I know I've already gone over time with you and we've shoehorned this into your day. Is the branding strategy to operate your business bank, I mean, you keep referring to Grindrod Bank, is it going to stay that? Or are you at some point rebranding into African Bank Commercial? How do you see that playing out? I'm going to steal another minute because you, you really latched on to something sweet here. Um, we probably are the only bank in this country that over the last year has reduced its cost of funding with over 430 uh, basis points increase in interest rates. And the reason we are able to do that it's because we've changed from almost 100% wholesale funded to being uh, almost 60% retail funded. Cheaper, stickier, and uh, uh, gives us uh, more legroom to operate. Uh, and, and, and so you've got, you've got your, your finger on the pulse there with respect to how this fundamental change of the business actually makes us more competitive and makes us uh, uh, more sustainable. It's the same story in our funding mix, in our cost of funding, as it is in our cost of equity going forward. It does, gives us, it does give us optionality, as you're seeing with what we're doing here. I am hoping that um, us being able to successfully integrate Greenwood and Ubank in less than one year, when others taking, you know, no names here, three years, ten years, uh, to integrate and uh, to be able to record a value into the balance sheet does actually buy us some, uh, s some belief that uh, we can land an even smaller two books uh, of uh, coming with just over 36 uh, people and integrated timely, uh, costly, within budget and to achieve the value accretion that uh, uh, we've promised ourselves. We definitely are backing ourselves with the mono brand. As soon as we've got Section 54 from the PA and the Minister of Finance, uh, we think that um, a story of an African bank that banks business as well as it does uh, households and, uh, and individuals has got uh, legs in the market. And uh, it is a brand um, that speaks to this dire need in this country of a bank for the people, by the people, serving the people. And we think that it will be well received in the market as we get to it in the new year. Yeah, the mono brand is the right strategy. I'm glad you said that. I've taken already a lot of your time today, Kennedy. Thank you so much. And again, just to reiterate, in case people weren't listening at the beginning, thank you for being able to you know, reach out, engage. You know, what I wrote about the acquisition was a concern around price and you kind of took it on the chin and said, hey, let's have a conversation. And this podcast was, you know, sponsored by yourselves, um, you know, because of my time spent on this, obviously, and accessing the, the ghost mail audience just for full disclosure. And thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate the candid discussion and all the best. I only ever want to see South African businesses succeed. So it'll be lovely to see this uh, work out for you. And I look forward to following the journey. I really do. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Casper the Ghost.